Hello, my oral surgery friends. This is your host, Dr. Grant Stuckey. In this podcast, you will hear surgeons discussing ways to improve the practice of oral and maxillofacial surgery. The goal of this podcast is to evaluate every aspect that a surgeon can improve in order to create a better experience for patients, staff, and the surgeon. Most of the information shared in this podcast will be based on personal experience and opinions. The methods discussed are meant to provoke thought and should be supplemented with research into the approved studies prior to making changes to one's way of practice. Without further ado, please enjoy this episode of Everyday Oral Surgery. Uh, Welcome to another episode of Everyday Oral Surgery. I am with my former mentor and friend, Dr. Raza Hussein. Uh, He is an oral maxillofacial surgeon practicing in Chicago, Illinois. Raza, great to have you on this repeat uh, or have you again as a a, a speaker on our podcast. But yeah, we have a a great topic today. It's kind of centered around an Amos article that you recently published. Can you just give us a, a brief summary of that? Yeah, you know, uh, Grant, uh, th- thanks first of all, uh, first off, you know, ha- thanks for having me uh, back. And, you know, I guess uh, for the guys that are, are looking for something that's kind of centered around uh, s- surgery, this is not so much, uh, you know, a technique or, or surgical uh, kind of podcast, but might actually kind of in, in, in light of what's going on these days and and just where, you know, what we've been through, uh, you know, as a as a country, and and where you know the direction we're headed, and and overall, and you know, kind of the environment we're in, not not just you know with obviously with COVID, but then a lot of the turmoil that we saw over the summer, and um, mm-hmm. with the George Floyd and, and other things, and and you know, as recent as uh, what. Unf- kind of unfortunately transpired at the Capitol, you know, uh, yeah. a little over a month ago where, uh, you know, five people, unfortunately, you know, uh, we can debate, uh, you know, we don't have to debate the particulars of who incited what and who was in the right or the wrong, you know, I, that that's not what we're here to do. And uh, yeah. certainly not uh, within the sc- scope of uh, uh, what we do as oral and maxillofacial surgeons. But the article I, I wrote was, and you know, I want to preface this as, as this is this has been my experience as somebody, um, you know, one the the son of uh, immigrant parents that 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 immigrated to this country now uh, over forty years ago, and my experience is kind of gr- growing up here as a first generation uh, Pakistani American you know, kind of going through the process of, of, of just being a, a kid, uh, who was a minority, uh, you know, and, and then moving through the stages of, of life. And, and then, so, you know, when the time came to, you know, uh, write that article, I, I did, I, I went back and forth. I, I obviously consult, you know, uh, consulted with my, my wife, with Dr. Maloro, um, you know, the people that, you know, when, you know, when you mentioned at the beginning that you am one of your mentors, you know, first of all, that that's very kind of you to consider me that. And so, you know, you, you seek counsel from your mentors and, you know, I, I sent him the, the paper before I, I, you know, I send him everything before I, and he, I said, you know, could there be anything in here that you think is offensive or 
I certainly don't want to hurt. And when he read it, he was like, how could you think this was offensive? You know, well, I mean, I, I don't, and I said, I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't want, you know, it's going to be published in our journal. It's going to be, I, at the time I didn't know, I thought maybe it's going to go burn and, you know, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Hop is going to be like, what are you crazy, Raza? You think I'm going to put this in our journal? But I think Dr. Hop uh, realized the the era we were in, and 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 a lot of specialties at the time were were coming out with with similar statements and and things like that. And and the the gist of it was was you know this was my experience, and you know I titled it you know can a true academician be a racist and the point of me titling that first of all, I, I wanted to, to define an academician, not as somebody that, that necessarily is at a university hospital and, and, and trains residents and, or it has to be at a, you know, in a teaching, but just somebody that prides themselves on teaching and learning and, and constantly improving. So you don't have to be a fancy professor, or have a bunch of letters after your name to, to be an academician is the way I saw it. And, you know, I, I started it off as everything that had transpired that, that summer. And, uh, the, the main thing that kind of triggered it was, you know, the, the kind of unfortunate, um, incident with, with George Floyd, where, uh, like I said, I won't get into all the, the particulars and of, um, you know, uh, uh, that we're all, uh, you know, painfully aware of, kind of what, what unfortunately transpired there and, and where a man that really, you know, did not need to lose his life, uh, unfortunately did. And it got me to thinking, you know, can, as somebody that's, uh, that trains residents that, that has, uh, and, and hope, uh, you know, is looking forward to continuing to train residents and teach and learn, how can, you uh, consider yourself a, a true teacher, a true academician, and carry any feelings of racism, sexism, you know, any of those types of discriminatory feelings in your heart, in your mind, uh, you know, and I thought, there's no way you can, you know, not, not if you can truly consider yourself somebody that, that prides themselves on teaching and learning and, and improving, and uh, you know, the, yeah. the, which we... W- doesn't matter what your line of work is. Um, we all strive to, we should be striving to be better people. We should be, uh, trying to pass those, um, things down to our, our children and, and, and anybody who kind of comes into our lives. So, uh, you know, I, I took the experiences I had growing up. I grew up in, in Wisconsin in, uh, you know, the eighties and nineties uh, with the name Raza Hussein at the height of, uh, you know, it, right when, uh, the first Gulf war was, <laughs> was, was hitting and, and, yeah. you know, and, and the, the main culprit of all that was a guy named, uh, Saddam Hussein. I did encounter some, it, sometimes it was just people genuinely out of just sheer ignorance. I, I didn't feel like it was out of any type of hatred or, or, or any type of anger w- would come and ask me, Hey, do you have any relationship to Saddam? I mean, they'd never, they didn't, they didn't know another guy named uh, Hussein. And uh, I was, wow. you know, 
the first few times I was just like, uh, of course, I was like, absolutely not. The guys, the guys in Iraq, I, I mean, uh, it's, you know, Pakistan, you know, where my parents, first of all, I was born in Buffalo, New York. So I don't know anything about <laughs> what you're talking, what you're talking about. Uh, okay. My parents uh, are from Pakistan, which is in Southeast Asia is nowhere near, you know, the, the, and okay. So some, and then I, then I started turning it into a, a, a kind of a joke. And I said, you know what? Are you talking about Uncle Saddam? Because I got him on the speed <laughs> dial right here, and, and and then you know, um, and it wasn't you know I I guess it wasn't a you know some people say oh that's a that was a coping mechanism and you I really didn't feel hurt because I didn't feel I didn't feel hatred or or anger coming from those people that were asking a lot, a lot of times it was kids right it was it was people that you went to school yeah. with right I grew up being part of the boy scouts and being most of those that time that I spent in scouts being the only uh member of of our troop that was a um, minority you know was, was what you know was non was not white was was um was muslim you know and yeah. I felt nothing but inclusion and and being welcomed whenever we went you know, uh, I think I, you're an Eagle Scout too, right, Grant? So, I mean, uh, yeah. So, yeah. so, you know, anytime we went camping, we'd be out there and they always made it a point to make sure, you know, uh, you know, my, my scout masters and, and then the, the, the other guys, the older scouts to make sure they had some non-pork variant for me to, to eat or, you know, and when they would ask questions about, my religion or, or why we, I did something. It was from a genuine place of wanting to learn and wanting to, to grow. Um, so, you know, now almost, you know, 25, 30 years later, seeing, seeing that I, you know, those are people I'd consider, uh, academics too, because they genuinely wanted to learn about somebody that, that had a different upbringing and that, that practiced a different religion. And, and so I felt it was my, you know, I'm by no means a scholar in any of those things, you know, uh, but to whatever extent I could explain how I'd been uh, taught by my parents, why uh, we did things a certain way or we, and then you very quickly start to realize you have a lot more in common with people that might not look the same as you or, or uh, practice same, the same religion than, than you might initially thought. I mean, I, what I've realized now in, my 40 years uh, on this earth is we have a lot more in common, a lot more common ground uh, than we have differences. And, and if you can use that common ground, if it's a common passion, you know, we're kind of talking about it in the, the arena of oral and maxillofacial surgery. If you can use that as that common ground and common passion, and then be able to use that as the icebreaker to then, start a kind of learning and, and, and growing from pe- those people around you that share that passion. Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like it makes it easier to have those uncomfortable conversations and because it, especially yeah. if it's coming from a good, a good place, I, I guess that's what I've always thought of it as is, is if you're genuinely wanting to, to know and, and learn from somebody why, you know, le- learn about, what they've experienced, my, my, I'm, I'm certain my experiences, um, growing up are, are different than, than other folks. You know, they, they, they might be, oh, that's great, Raza, that you had 
you you were part of a very inclusive area growing up in Wisconsin, even though people might not think that, but that was not my experience. And I'm not uh, trying to, you know, compare my experiences um, to anybody else's because I realize um, there's kind of underrepresented populations that they'll say, well, that's great. You know, you were a a Pakistani Muslim kid. And, uh, you know, when people that they looked at you and saw somebody, hey, we, this is, we want to know more about this guy's background. There's curiosity there. Their curiosity peaked like, oh, let me see. All right. Okay. And he's, you know, he, 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 he likes to hunt and he, he likes to do all the fish and all that kind of stuff. And so then from there, you weren't, you weren't Raza, the Muslim kid, you were just Raza and that's what it ended up being. But I get those folks that, that say, well, you were lucky that people didn't come into it with this, uh, kind of with their mind already made up. Because they had, they, right. they were so ignorant to your background and uh, upbringing and religion that they just genuinely, but we don't have that luxury. People come into it already thinking, well, if you're this race or this, you know, uh, upbringing, or you came from this part of uh, town, you're a bad egg or you're, you're, you're a criminal or you're going to, um, uh, if we see you in our part of town, you're up to no good. Mm-hmm. So I realize. um, it's much different for, for folks, um, from different backgrounds and their experiences are much different. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not trying to make comparisons. You know, I, I, I example I use is, um, it was, it was my first externship or, uh, you know, OMFS externship and I won't name the hospital. I won't name, you know, the, the facility or anything like that. But so I was, I was an extern, you know, and when you're an extern, you're a nobody, right? I mean, Grant, you've done three externships yeah. and you, you walk in there and the residents give you some scrubs and they say, all right, you know, just, just follow us. Don't, you know, don't talk to anybody. Don't, you know, just, just, just stay close to us and, you know, don't touch anything. Don't, you know, and, and so, okay, that's what I'm doing. I can put my scrubs on and, you know, I, I walk up to the, to the OR doors and of course everything's secure and blocked and, you know, and I, I see them. Somebody walks up and they say, oh, where's your badge? Where's your ID? Okay. All right. Whoever it is pulls their badge out, their ID, whatever it is. I walk up to the to the doors and they buzz me right in. Okay. <laughs> okay. That, that happens the first time I figure, all right, you know what? That's great. You know, no, 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 no problem. Um, yeah. You know, I just flew under the radar. And then that happened the second day of the externship. And then. And every time I see them, they, the, the guy before me and then the guys after me, they're, you know, they're asking where their badge is, who they're coming to see, which room they're going to. <laughs> Nobody's asking me anything. They're buzzing me right in. <laughs> so uh, then, fi- you know, finally one day I say, oh, how, why aren't you, you know, I see you asking everybody. You haven't once asked me where my uh, badge is or my ID or which, which service I'm with, you know. And they said, oh, <laughs> well, we figure you're Indian. So you got to be a doctor. So we just figured <laughs> that you work here and we, you're a resident and we just buzz you in these other guys. We don't. And I, so I know it's a, it's a kind of, I don't want to say it's a, it's a, a complimentary form of racism, but you know, for them to make the assumption that because I'm a Brown, you know, first of all, I'm not Indian. I'm Pakistani, right? <laughs> right there, they're all right. wrong right off the bat. But uh, you know, for them to say, okay, this is this Indian guy, this brown guy that's coming through in scrubs, you know, 
the stereotype is like he's got to he's got to <laughs> be a doctor, right? Because any brown guy walking through the OR, you know, in scrubs has got to be a doctor. You know, is that a bad stereotype to be stuck with? Of course not. You know, is, is that a you know? It, and I understand other folks. I get it when they talk about well, your kids will never experience that. Your kids will never if they are, you know, driving in the the affluent part of town in a nice car. And they, they look like you, nobody's going to pull them over and ask them, Mm -hmm. whose car is this? Why are you in a, why are you driving a nice car? And I understand that there are certain races that they are, they, they, they're the doctors, they're the attorneys, they're the accountant, and you know, they live in those neighborhoods, they drive those fancy cars, but that's something that they have to contest with it. And, and that's, you know, absolute in today's day and age, 2021. Um, how far we've come, that's just not acceptable. And so for me to then, you know, where I, where I draw, drew that into academics was, and, and this is, you know, again, you, you reflect and, and you, you look to your mentors and, and you, you know, you see one, you know, you know, you grow from your, your own experiences, the, the experiences that I uh, described to you about, how I felt included and, and inclusion and, and part of the team and, and things like that growing up in scouts was exactly the same way I felt during, during residency, you know, it wasn't, Oh, Raza doesn't drink. So, you know, don't even invite him to Hawkeyes for, you know, after the, after the OR or, you know, what's the point of taking a guy that doesn't drink, you know? <laughs> right. And um, so there was none of that. And, you know, Dr. Maloro year after year, you know, that's why, you know, he's the person that I, for me is the definition of a true academician because his only goal, you know, when he, when he's interviewing, when we interview candidates every year, when he is interviewing is finding the, the best and brightest and the most passionate about our specialty, um, you know, which, which is oral and maxillofacial surgery. And, and, and that's all he's looking at. Doesn't, it doesn't matter what, race, religion, color, you know, sexual orientation, you know, whatever pronoun that they want to use to, to describe themselves. None of that matters. It's just, Mm -hmm. is this a person that uh, shares my passion for my, you know, something that I'm passionate about? Um, Like I said, uh, this, in this instance, it happens to be oral and maxillofacial surgery. And that's somebody that I want here. I want to train somebody that I will be very proud of when they leave here, because I know they were going to be a good representative, you know, represent my, uh, specialty that I care for, that I, that I have passion for, uh, well, you know, and that's the same thing that, and then, like I said, if you go into it with that and, and you use that, that shared passion to just break the ice, you really quickly learn that you have a lot more in common with, with, all these people and that that's the cool part is you got a room full of people from all backgrounds races religions you know i mean grant i mean would i remember we we had a discussion it it was hey hey man you don't drink hey i don't drink i mean who would figure right you know i guess the the, the mormon guy and then the muslim guy and that's that's the common ground right and so then it branches from there oh and how how many kids do you got grant okay yeah this is how many what are you what you're you're having the same, you know, you were chuckling about, you know, your kid stole your phone from you. 
I mean, like I can't get my kids off their tablets or their phones. They sneak up and they steal it and then they're on there playing Roblox or whatever. I mean, yeah. so that that's where, you know, and it didn't matter what, what religion I was, what, you know, because we, we totally. that common ground, you know, you, you very quickly. Uh, and that's where I, you know, I feel like those, those folks that are, are not trying to look for it are mm-hmm. really, they're not just doing a disservice to society and to the country. And they're, they're doing a disservice to themselves because they're depriving themselves uh, of the opportunity to learn and, 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 and really, you know, develop some kinship and a friendship with, with somebody that they might be surprised that they, they, you know, they end up having a lot in common with. And that's, I've realized, you know, in now 10, 11 years of, of training residents of, of just life of just moving through life, the stages in life that, that you do, you know, um, you know, going through your training, going, going, you know, going through residency, getting married, having kids, so, yep. uh, you know, I found no place for any type of discrimination in any stage in my life because I feel like that's going to be, I'm going to be depriving myself of learning, meeting just great people. And why would I want to do that? Why would I want to uh, right. rob myself of, of that? And that I think, unfortunately, I, I wish uh, everybody thought that way i know a lot you know a lot of i mean i know all all you guys think that way everybody that i was fortunate to to cross paths with and residency since that everybody that you know all the residents i've trained have thought that way so i i get that not everybody does and that's why there's laws to protect uh people there's there's things in place to make sure that people from these underrepresented uh populations have an opportunity because if you didn't have those in place, unfortunately, they, they wouldn't. They wouldn't have the opportunity. We wouldn't have the opportunity. You know, the, the world wouldn't have the opportunity. And, and, and our, our specialty, our patients wouldn't have the opportunity to, to have people that, you know, you, I know for a fact would be excellent uh, practitioners. Uh, and just excellent, you know, just great at taking care of people. They'd be robbed of that, that opportunity. So it is important. Some, you know, people argue, well, why do we need that? Why do we need certain laws anymore? Everybody's on equal, on an equal footing, on equal uh, playing field. And, and that's just not true yet. You know, it's, 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 yeah. we're getting, we're moving. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, just look at uh, less than, you know, a month ago, six weeks ago to now, you know, where uh, we had put, our uh, discrimination, harassment, uh, uh, you know, I work for the federal government, so I'm painfully aware of, of any time that there's little changes in, um, from, uh, in, in the laws or executive orders. And, you know, all d- anti-discrimination training and, and things had been put on hold, you know, in those uh, final few days of the previous uh, presidency. And, you know, it was people... I mean, people were literally in tears. How how could we, you know, how could we take this huge step backwards, you know? Yeah. And in and, and one swift stroke of, of a pen, you know, by the new president, that was all uh, reversed. And, 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 you know, we're, we're back on track. So those certainly still need to exist. You know, that, that can't just be 
pushed off, you know, in, uh, in order to make sure that we give folks uh, the opportunity that otherwise might not have had it, you know? Right. Yeah. You know, when I was uh, reading your article, I really liked your definition of the academician. I thought for, for what I took away from your definition and your explanation was that the true, you know, teacher, academic guy isn't someone like you're saying who's in a position or has a degree, but is really someone who loves to teach, right? And that, that's the main thing is teaching supersedes everything. Um, and, and including racism, I mean, because I started thinking, okay, you know, at first I'm thinking, well, what about the guy, at, you know, I'm picturing some dude in the South who's like the, you know, the, the son of a son of a Confederate dude and was raised on kind of black racism. You know, what about that guy who loves to teach um, and learn, but he has this racist, you know, environment uh, thoughts. Um, it, can he be a you know a true teacher if he stops or, or lets that racism stop him from teaching those people who he was taught to, you know, whatever hate or or kind of discriminate against? And I mean, according to your definition, no, right? If if he lets that stop him from teaching and learning, he's not really a, a true academician. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's that's my thought is is. How could he, how could somebody, let's say somebody came to him of whatever race, you know, black, Native American, you know, Latino came to him and said, hey, I just, I just love X, Y, Z. I love, let's, let's say he's an orthopedic surgeon or whatever. And I, and I want, and he said, no, you just, it's just not, it's not in you. It's not, it's not going to happen. I'm sorry. You know, I have. Yeah. I mean, like right there, I mean, even to in a, in a just hypothetical situation to say those words, hear those words coming out of my mouth, just, I can't make sense of it. How could I have somebody come to me and say that I, and I, I turn them away because Mm -hmm. then I feel like I'm, you know, then I, I mean, if I love what I do, and like I said, it doesn't have to be orthopedic surgery or oral and maxillofacial surgery. You could, it could be, you could be a a chef or whatever. I want to, I want. I want as many people a- as I can to love it as much as I do and, you know, get it out there and, and spread. So at that point, you know, I know it sounds cliche, cliche to say it, but like, yeah, I'm colorblind. I don't, I'm colorblind, like sexual orientation, blind, whatever, everything blind, you know, like, right. and I'm just like, Oh man, like, yeah, yeah. I gotta, I gotta grab this person, you know, and, and run because, uh, before somebody else, you know, sees that passion, yeah, for whatever it may be, because if I don't, they're going to turn their passion for what I'm passionate about is going to be crushed then. And yeah. they're going to, and, and passionate people and dedicated people, they'll find something else to be passionate about and dedicated to and direct their energy to. They're going to, they're going to make it, they're going to be successful and, and they're going to, they're going to go back and prove that guy that, you know, told them that they couldn't do it or they're never going to, they're going to prove him wrong 10 times over. And then you're going to be, it's going to be a loss for you, you know? And so, um, yeah, I mean, in, in, in my mind, you can't, you, you can't, you can't really be, you, you know, we, the, right now in, in the VA system there, and in a lot of kind of academic and, and big kind of medical institutions are using this term high, high reliability organizations. You want to, we want to, 
We want a high reliability organization. And at first, that sounds like a business kind of term, a high reliability one. But if you look, start delving deeper into that, it, it also talks about, you know, um, engaging your your staff and your employees and your medical staff and your whatever, and, and making them stakeholders and making them, you know, part, take a passion in, in, in your organization and making it, it great. And what they found is you can't really be a high reliability organization if you're just narrowing in on a certain subset of people. Oh, we're just going to take uh, these guys with a certain, let's say we'll, we'll just use an education level as it. Uh, you got to have a, you got to have a doctorate degree. You got to have this, you have to go into this school. No, you're missing a huge subset of people then. And, yeah. and you're, you're alienating all those, those people, disenfranchising them. And you're never going to see the full potential of, of your organization. If, if you don't include them and make them stakeholders and get their input, genuinely get yeah. their input on what you think it's going to make to make your institution, your organization, things like that better. And, you know, that's where, you know, Amos, you know, the American Association of Oral and Maxillofacial Surgeons is, they, they made it a point, you know, that next year's, or I should say this year's uh, annual meeting is centered on one of the main points is, is diversity. Mm-hmm. And a specialty that, first of all, they, they they took a look at themselves and they realized they weren't under the false impression that, well, yeah, we're diverse, man. We got we got a couple of brown guys. We got a couple of, you know, we got a few black guys in the specialty. No, they realized. And, and a lot of it is centering on, on our, really the underrepresentation of women in our specialty. Yeah. And, and how we just, um, we, we haven't done a good job nurturing and, and recruiting uh, women to the specialty of, of oral and maxillofacial surgery. You know, other surgical uh, specialties are, are outpacing us. They're doing a better job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where does that lie? You know, that, does that lie in, in, in the, you know, uh, we, we, you know we, we talk about it. I've heard it come out of people's mouths, you know, kind of the, like you said, the old school guys. Oh, you know, women, you know, women, they just not. They're not strong enough. They don't have the stamina. They don't, and and nothing could be further from the truth. You know, I've trained, and uh, you know, several female residents, and I yeah. found I found you know uh, now I'm not I'm not trying to swing the pendulum the other way now here and like you know bash the guys <laughs> here by any means, um, but I found them to be some of the best residents to train because uh, what I've noticed is accept constructive criticism very well they understand their limitations well you know they understand yeah maybe i'm not as physically as strong as my male co-resident but you know what that that mean that means i have to be technically that much more sound and my technique has to be that much better and that's what i've seen i they they will spend the extra time and fine-tune their technique to where their efficiency and how slick they are taking out a tooth or, you know, doing a mandible fracture is, is impressive. Whereas you might get the guy who thinks he's, I'm just going to brute strength this out. And he's ripping out half the guys, you know, tuberosity and part of the sinus floor is coming along and you're like, what, <laughs> <laughs> what just happened in here, man? Like, yeah, you know? totally. you know, and I, I tell the, re- you know, I tell the residents now, I said, this, this is somebody's face. This is somebody's face, man. This is not, you know, okay. 
Like it, it, we shouldn't be, you shouldn't, I shouldn't walk by your operatory and see you red faced looking like you're, you know, constipated trying to take a tooth out of somebody's uh, head or, you know, like that's way too much force, you know, that that's just, you, you should not be exerting that type of force on somebody's face. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is not, we're not boxing. Yeah, we're not boxing here. Like, you know, uh, that's where I just, from the corner, you know, the, the uh, just, just, just stop, stop right there, man. Like, you know, you're, you know, you, you're going to, e- either you're going to bust uh, uh, aneurysm or, uh, <laughs> or you're going to, you're going to do some damage to this patient. So, so, and, and you won't, you'll just see, you know, in my experience that the, like I said, the, the female residents I've had the pleasure of, uh, of, of teaching, they just realize mm, this is, this is, this is not working. I, I got to go back to the drawing board and all of this is happening in the course of split seconds, you know, real time right there. It's not, let me stop. Let me go. Let me go sit down and share. No, it's happening real time right there. And those decisions are being made and they just say, okay, that's not working. I'm going to go with this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to remove a little bone from here. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to, you know, lever, I'm going to elevate, and then I'm going to come back from this angle. In my experience, it's been a, a true pleasure. You know, uh, I have not encountered any of those uh, situations where, uh, you know, on the, your wife, you know, what is, you guys have six little ones now. Is it six? Uh, only six. six. Yeah, only six. So you got six little ones. So, you know, uh, women are the, uh, you know, the ultimate multitaskers and just, you know, um, and you got a whole, you got your own resident, you know, resident uh, there, you know, <laughs> six, you know, some residencies aren't that big. So, you know, if they can manage, manage that. And, you know, my wife, the same way, you know, she's an anesthesiologist, comes home and then she's, you know, managing all uh, three of the kids and all their schedules. And, and, you know, I'm lost. I'm like, I gotta, you know, I, I gotta do this thing with Grant later tonight. So I gotta get up there and get settled in about 45 minutes before this thing and get, get my, get, get in. The, and she's like, all right, man, whatever, you know, I, you gotta, right. you know, yeah, yeah, I get, you gotta get your mind. I gotta get my mind in the right place here, you know, and she's like, your mind in the right place. My mind is in 12 different places. And somehow they managed to keep it, you know, everything is still happening systematically and, and smoothly. So, um, you know, we, 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 we'd really be, you know, doing ourselves a disservice if we didn't try to recruit and, and encourage women that want to enter the specialty and, and, nurture, yes. and nurture that. So, you know, that's been my experience. And I, I think a lot of the, the guys in academics and, and, and even the ones in, in private practice, you know, uh, see that, you know, that they, they, you know, they, they recruit, they want, they want, uh, you know, a female partner to join them, a female certain because they see like you know, uh, patients respond to that too. The uh, patients are now too. They, they they ask they ask for a female doctor. They ask for a female certain. They say because they're more compassionate. You know, you guys are just co- you come in, you talk to me for five minutes, and then you know you're on your way. Um, and like I said, I'm not trying to swing the pendulum the other uh, the other way. You know, there's certainly plenty of uh, there's very compassionate you know male me- medical practitioners, but I mean, th- th- there's studies now that show this, that a lot of patients prefer a female practitioner because yeah. um, they feel that they're more compassionate and they're, they're in less of a rush. They take their time. They ask the patients about not just what they're there for, like, okay, what's hurting you? They ask, hey, you know, the, the backstory or where it started. And that's more than that. That's one, it's being compassionate. But then from a medical perspective, that backstory ultimately plays a role in the current situation that that the patient's in you know and 
you're depriving yourself of probably some important medical knowledge if you don't kind of tease that out. So it really yeah. is, uh, you know, important for our specialty and, and every specialty that that we encourage. You know, a lot of other specialties are doing a doing a better job, and and you know, like I said, you know, kudos to the powers that be at 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 Amos for recognizing that and and making it a, a point, making it you know a you know they're not denying it. They're not they're not saying no oh, no no. Let's just let's just not talk about it. Let's not talk about it. They realize that it, and they're making it a point to to say we we want to encourage more women to join the specialty, and, and that's that's a big deal. So. Awesome. When I first glossed over your article, I, of course, I immediately thought, mm-hmm. yeah, this is I am the true academician. You know, I'm not racist, of course not. Um, but then the more introspective I kind of became about it i started thinking well you know hold on are there ways that maybe maybe not racism but maybe there's ways that i do have prejudices or i let that impede the way i I teach or learn you know and certainly i think i came up with some instances um where you know i i think i you know did let things like that stop me even for example the other day i'm out my driveway and my son's playing basketball and my daughter comes out and says, dad, you know, can you teach me to shoot a layup or, you know, do a shot or something, you know, and for a second there, I, I kind of catch myself thinking, you know, like, well, how much effort should I put into this? Because she's never going to be, you know, an NBA star or, or play on a, a high school team. And, you know, and, and I kind of find myself giving a little, maybe less effort to her than I would to my son who's on a team and is competitive and all this stuff. And and that's, you know, not racism, but it's in the realm of letting things like that affect the way right, you teach. Right. I mean, because if you think about it, if you really were um, just thinking about it from a, the kind of purest sense of being, a, I mean, your daughter came and expressed passion for something that you're passionate about, that your son shares equal passion in. So that yeah. should be the only thing driving your decision making and what, whether I should, sh- how much time I should dedicate to to her. And, and he, but then you know what? As human beings, we're also we're also practical. Maybe as as parents, we're also practical. And and I I would say it's actually you know it might be some of the opposite. You know, Grant, it might be you being protective as a father, saying you know what, kid, you know. I I I hope you become the best, you know, basketball. You might be a better basketball player than your your brother. You know, there's a chance that that could happen too. She could, you know, she she could make him look like a chump. Right. But it's a tough. We live in a tough world. You know, as your father, I I want the best for for you, but I also wouldn't be preparing you for the world that you're going to enter if I didn't at least let you know. Uh, the reality of what you're going to encounter when you get out there is that all is that the right way to 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 think you know is it it's not you know being uh, an academician in its purest sense where we should just be thinking about nurturing that that passion and things like that but is it practical until we get to that point where where we know that you know the people that we love and and the, you know that they're not going to be be judged by their sex or their religion or their race or things like that. Maybe we're just doing our, our part in trying to protect them, you know? 
And, you know, and I tell the, to the residents that my, you know, my residents that too, you know, I don't tell them, you know, actually, like I said, I'm not going to name any names because I don't want to make anybody, but you know, one of our, our female residents that graduated recently, she, you know, she, a few years ago, she, she told me when she went and interviewed at a practice, I mean, the guys, they asked all the questions that you're not supposed to ask. You know, like if I did that, uh, when I was interviewing somebody for, when we were inter- interviewing somebody for residency or I was interviewing somebody for a, uh, a job at the VA, they, they, I mean, I, they, they'd give me the boot, you know, I'd be, you know, right. um, uh, you know, they said, Oh, okay. So you're married, no kids yet. You know, this, this, this is <laughs> the practice that she interviewed at, you know, yeah. two older gentlemen, you know, they said, well, it sounds like you're going to finish up residency and probably get pregnant and have, uh, you know, want to start planning your family. And there's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that, that was their, that was their, their, them trying to cover, you know, that was them thinking they're being politically correct. You know, (laughs) you're probably going to do all this. Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) But (laughs) that's not who we're looking to recruit right now. You know, uh, yeah. So and, and and she and she called me and she said, you know, or she was still a resident at the time. She was a chief resident, and and she told me, Doctor, was saying, I cannot believe, you know, and I think because she had a, a, a skewed version, she had Doctor Maloro, Doctor Hussein, Doctor, you know, Flick, Doctor Kolakaitis' view of. Hey, if if you work hard, you are passionate about it. You know that's what's gonna that that that'll carry you through. That'll carry you. You know that'll be. That's all you got to worry about. That's all people are gonna see. You know she was, I think, caught off guard. You know maybe she was just like you guys didn't tell me that there's people <laughs> like the you know, uh, you, that not everybody is you know not like you guys. Is it our place to say hey, you're gonna encounter people like like this? Um, when you get out there, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, I, I have that same uh, discussion with, with, uh, with Nadia, with my wife about, Hey, I mean, should we be telling our kids, you know, as, as now my kids are going to be, you know, they're going to be second generation Pakistani Muslim Americans. And, uh, should we be telling them that, you know, there might become a time when, when, Hey, you go here, you go there, you're going to have this conversation. You know, people are going to ask you why, you know, why don't you drink? Why don't you, uh, you know, uh, why don't you have a girlfriend? Why don't you X, Y, Z? Why don't you eat pork? Why don't you, you know, and, yeah. um, you know, some people will ask you that genuinely just, just wanting to know, like I said, from that, that academicians, uh, that, that, that teacher slash learner's perspective, because they just want to know, they want to learn. They're ignorant. Yeah. They, they are ignorant to it and they don't want to be, they don't want to be ignorant, you know? And then there'll be some people that just ask you because they don't like that you're different and they're going to just say, well, you know, it, it'll be coming from a bad place, you know? And so, you know, my oldest is 11, you know, my youngest is four. I I don't have the answer for when the right time to have that discussion with them is, you know, I mean, do I want them to find out kind of organically on their own? I I don't, I don't feel like I would be doing my job as a father if I, if I let them find out on their own. And I guess, you know, that that's where, you know, maybe as, as somebody that, uh, that trains residents and, and that teaches and, you know, we should, 
you know, prepare some of our residents that, you know, for that too, to to let them know, hey, you might go and interview at a uh, practice in an affluent suburb where, you know, population is 98% white. And, and, uh, you know, when you, when you walk out of there, you might leave with a bad taste in your mouth because you're just like, this is not what I expected. You know, I thought if I went in there and they saw how passionate I was about, about my, uh, about being a surgeon and, 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 and doing a good job. And I got, you know, I got great letters and I got, 10 publications, you know, before finishing residency. And, uh, I, what else could they want from me? I don't know. You know, I don't know if we were, we were doing a disservice by not telling them that those situations exist. I mean, I feel like by that stage in, in life, maybe those people, maybe those folks that I'm referring to, maybe I'm not giving them enough credit. Maybe they've already experienced that and they know that's the reality of the world. Maybe I'm the one that's, that's ignorant and naive because I was, like I said, fortunate to not have encountered a lot of that through my, you know, upbringing and, and my training and my career. Yeah. But there's probably people, they, they might tell me like, Dr. Hussein, you're the chump, <laughs> you know, like you don't know what you're talking about just to get to this point, to be here in this residency program. You don't know what I've had to go through. And that's where I feel like, you know, it, you know, one of the, the lines I, I talked about in there, you know, that Latin, kind of proverb but you know is you can't truly be a, a teacher if you're not also a learner is where where important is it's a tough conversation it's you know it's a difficult conversation to 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 have and but i feel like like i said again if you start with that that common ground of passion for your specialty or whatever it is you know maybe it's not you know maybe the you know maybe it's not that maybe you're sitting there talking about uh the the kind of you know food you like to eat or the kind of restaurants you like you know or, or that you like to cook and that's your passion, right? You know, I mean, you were, you're both oral and maxillofacial surgeons, but your passion is, is that's your shared passion. And from that, it, you can grow and, and, and find out, hey, man, how did you, how did you make it to this point? Like, what, what, what got you here? And, and then you'll be surprised, you know, at, sometimes you're surprised at the turbulence and, and just the, 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 the things people had to overcome to get to that stage. And sometimes you're surprised, you know, when I tell people my, my story about, um, you know, growing up in Wisconsin, being the only uh, non-white uh, kid in a school of, you know, uh, I shouldn't say the only one. The, the the other one was my sister. So it was just the two of us, you know, <laughs> she, was, she, was a couple, she was a couple of years. is like, oh, you're not the only one. I'm like, yeah, the other kid is also named Hussein. And she, I drop her off and pick her up from school every day. So like that, she doesn't even count. Um, so, you know, being the, being the only non white, you know, kid in a high school of, you know, 2200, whatever it was, I can't even remember, you know, people sometimes are amazed when I tell them, I didn't really experience a lot of being a, a, an outcast or racism or, or anything. Because by the time I got to high school, I, you know, I'd been in scouts for years, I'd been playing, I'd been in athletics for years, I, you know, these guys, these were guys I knew, you know, these are guys that, you know, they, they we'd been clowning around for years by that point and so they look at me like really that is that you know and i'm like that's the truth you know and and i talked to my wife who who kind of grew up in a more diverse at least um when you look at it from 
the breakdown of you know the demographics of the area that she grew up. She grew up in in the in Chicago, in the city of Chicago, in the, in the kind of Chicago suburbs. Which you know, I, I'm talking about the early '80s, '90s, growing up in Wisconsin. Now Wisconsin become much more diverse, you know. And and uh, but yeah. in those early days, you know, my, when my parents immigrated, we were one of five Pakistani families in like the state, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and. But Chicago was a different story. I mean, it's a huge population of whatever, you know, it's third largest city in the, and, but then she tells me stories about racism she encountered and not just from our, our particular race of people, from anybody that was just not her race. I realized that, uh, you know, it's not one particular population that's, that's all, you know, is, is we can't demonize a particular race or or a population or religion or, you know, it's happening, you know, th- through all of them and, it, and it's not right. Whoever's doing it, you know, um, yeah. it, it's not, it, like I said, it would be naive to think that because you're a minority, you're not gonna, you can't, or you can't, you won't be, you know, th- there, there's no room in your thinking for racism. That just, that's, that was ridiculous to think that way, you know, um, you know, but people do, there's people th- that think that way. Oh, a Latino person, they could never be racist because they're part of a minority. Uh, you know, that's no, that just not. I mean, that's not uh, how we're, you know, I'm, I'm uh, you know, a, 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 a Pakistani Muslim guy that that dude can't be racist. I mean, that guy is a part of, you know, you know, I mean, it's just like you said, you know, you're some of that is, is you have to, you, you do, you, you have to catch yourself and train yourself because. Maybe it's it's just some stereotypes that we've kind of grown up around. You know, we you were talking about your daughter. You know, like you know, why why does that exist? You know, you throw you throw like a girl. Why does that? You know, why why does the, that phrase that saying even exist in our? You know, in our. I've seen girls. You know, you know. I I wish I could throw as hard as them, and or you know. <laughs> Some of you know, some you know, the, the, you know, even some of our current you know uh, residents, you know their their athleticism, your female resident. I'm just like, I'm I'm just in you know I'm pathetic here. You know, my, even my own daughter, like you know, I start I start uh, you know my older daughter, I start kind of horsing around with her, and she starts just like you know she'll lay one on me just across my chest or something. I'm like, whoa. I got the wind knocked out of me, you know, <laughs> you know, she's throwing my son around. She's throwing the 11 year old around. I'm like, come on, man. Like you just, just totally got owned by your eight year old sister here. So, you know, that just needs to stop. It's easier said than done. I, I realize that, but we, as a, as a, as a small tight knit specialty, you know, we can do it on our, we, we could really, you know, I mean, if we could get, you know, our specialty to be, you know, rep 25% uh, female, you know, uh, I think that's Amos was sh- is shooting for something along those lines, you know, 25% mm-hmm. of our resident uh, complement to be female, you know, that's still, that means 75% is male, you know, that's a huge discrepancy, yeah. but that's oh, a yeah. big step in the, in the right direction, you know, and then we yeah. have to weed out why, why we feel like women don't, gravitate towards i mean you look at a regular dental school class i mean the split is 50 50 right i mean yeah in fact in fact it might be more women now than than men in dental school classes so why aren't we also getting that into into our specialty 
you know, right. you know, so there's, you know, where that discrepancy is happening, where that kind of brainwashing, like, ah, oh, you, you know, woman, you can't really be a surgeon. It's not, you know, it's too the long hours and difficult and on call. And, you know, and then yeah. I have to tell, you know, when I, you know, I don't interact with, uh, with dental students that, that often, but, you know, sometimes I, you know, I'll get uh, undergrads or dental students that want to shadow and, you know, I, I spent, you know, now I just want to see what surgery is like because, you know, everybody tells me, so I, you know, I try to convince them it's actually, you're going to get more flexibility because you're going to be part of a much smaller, a leader specialty, you know, and, and you're going to, you're always going to be in demand. So you can set your right. hours and you can, you know, you can take as totally. much call as you want at the hospital or not. And, and, uh, you know, because people are going to be, you know, everybody's going to want a piece of you. So, yeah. you know, but we, we shouldn't have to be doing that. Obviously somebody else told them something completely different that now mm -hmm. I'm having to try to convince them, uh, uh, of the opposite. So, yeah, I think you bring up so many good points. I mean, for me, the take home of what you're saying is, you know, build on common ground, focus on the love of teaching and learning, you know, because all of us have some type of, you know, prejudice or, you know, way we look at other cultures, religions, races, and, you know, and it's just something we have to get over and we have to work together to, to get over that. And we can. Yeah. I like to think, and, and this is me trying to also be open at the same time, you know, is, is that the vast majority of people, they don't have a hatred in their heart and, and, and anger and a animosity towards you know, a, a complete stranger. I, I, it's hard for me to, to think that somebody could, could have those feelings towards somebody they've never met. And so, you know, the first step is for us to, to be open to maybe people that we think, you know, that, you know, I, you know, you go to, down South, they're never going to, they're never going to accept me down there. You know, that, that, that just, right. they hate me already. Well, you know, if you look at it, if you really look at it, finally, that's me being racist, right? Because right. I'm saying, you're, I'm not, I'm now without knowing somebody from, you know, because they're, you know, they're from a certain part of the country where, like you said, maybe slavery and racism and those things were deep seated there. So I don't fit their mold. So there's no way they're going to accept me into the community, into their, you know, into, I could never be their friend. I'm never going to be part of their group. And that's something that we need. I, you know, uh, for me, I would have to personally get over it. You know, I mean, yeah. I, my, I know we're getting a little, you know, running a little long here. But like, you know, I, I, I give the example of one of my, one of the residents I, I roomed with. He actually crashed with me for a few months. This might have been a few months. This might have been before you started residency. And he was a, a guy. You know, the exact description of what I told you, Mark and saw. Yeah. Okay. I've never had a roommate in my entire life. Okay. And he asked her a favor. He said, Hey man, can I crash with you three months? They're finishing up my condo in another part of, uh, of, of the state. And then I'm going to, once that's finished, I'm going to bring my, uh, my wife, my, my daughter up here and I'll be out of your hair. Okay. I said, Hey man, no problem. No problem. But I, at the same time, I thought to myself, how, how we, we couldn't be from two different worlds. And I mean, we got along 
I mean, like two peas in a pod, thick, thick as thieves, man. We were like, I remember one day that this is the last thing I'll leave you with. It was rum. It was Ramadan. I was fasting. And, and the way that works is when we fast is, is, you know, uh, I gotta, you know, you gotta eat before the sun comes, comes up. Okay. So you can eat, you're, you're, you know, yeah. before the sun comes up and you're in there wolfing down food. So I, I'd be, you know, and I was a resident at the time. So, you know, I, I would, I, I'm in there, I'm in the kitchen, I'm, I'm making some eggs or whatever, you know, and, and uh, real quick. And then I'm, I'm putting the pots and pans into the kitchen and, and I'm eating and I'm going back to sleep or I'm heading off to the hospital. Right. And, yeah. you know, this buddy of mine, he, you know, one day he just finally said, Hey, he said, Hey, Raza. If you're angry at me, man, or, or, or something, I did something wrong. Just tell me, man, just please tell me. Like, I, I, I mean, I'm not the kind of guy that like, and I said, you know, like I said, I'm not going to name names. I said, what are you talking about, man? Like, he's like the butt crack of dawn. All I hear is a bunch of pots and pans clanging around, smashing. I'm thinking you're in there angry, throwing. I'm like, no, man, I'm just in there making some breakfast for myself before the <laughs> before the sun comes up because i'm fasting and and i got to eat something because i'm not going to get to eat or drink anything the rest of the day yeah <laughs> and and so then he felt he felt bad because he goes he goes oh man that I, I didn't realize you had to do that i'm sorry for not realizing that you had to do that and at the same time you know i couldn't tell you how much i appreciate him saying Hey man, if I did something wrong or I hurt your feelings or there's something you, you got to tell me, man, because yeah, you know, uh, it wasn't like, who cares if Roz is angry at me? I don't care. You know, uh, whatever, you know, I realized, you know, and, and it doesn't matter. We had that common ground and it grew from there and it was, it, you know, ended up being a great, a great friendship. So, and I, I learned, I learned from him, you know, yeah. And, and he learned from me, you know, so, so that's the way we got to kind of think. I, you know, I feel. <laughs> totally. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. The great, great po topics, great points we're talking about. Um, thank you for sharing your personal story and oh, your I'm, feelings. Of course, like I said, it's, it's my pleasure. I realize not everybody's got the uh, same experience, but um you know, for those that have gone through uh, a tougher roads and, and are, are going through them right now, you know, I, my, I would just tell them, you know, stay strong, keep, keep grinding away, you know, and we're all trying to fight for what we know is right. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get there, you know, so. Yeah, for sure. Good, good food for thought, man. Thank you so much. No problem, Grant. It sounds like you got some uh, rambunctious you got maybe bedtime coming up here soon so i i got i got the same like i said the common ground so uh the hardest time of day man yes that's exactly <laughs> it's like they don't know it's coming it's the same time every day but you know <laughs> they fight it like you know <laughs> every time uh, yeah, yeah so well, i'll let you get to it grant and and then thanks for again for having me on you know these these are great talks it's and it's uh you know it's great to kind of touch base and stay in touch. I think that's important for us, uh, too, as a specialty and just, uh, like I said, just as friends and uh, I'm glad you're doing it. Thank you so much. I yep. appreciate it. All right. All right. Let's keep in touch and we'll do some more podcasts in the future. Sounds good. Grant. Have a good Thanks. night. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of everyday oral surgery surgeons talking shop. 
If you are practicing oral surgery or are in the oral surgery field and would like to be on this podcast, please email me at grantstukey at gmail.com or text me at 720-441-6059. Also, if you have any topics that you would like to hear discussed on this podcast or feedback regarding an episode that was already aired, please do not hesitate to email or call me. Thanks again for listening.